Good morning. When I think about the power that is in this room, the women that you will influence in your lifetime, the women that you will influence in this day, I am so especially grateful that you are here. We are talking about, through this whole year, the spiritual gifts. And people are thinking like, what is my gift? Do I have this gift? So today we're going to be talking about the gift of discernment, which is mentioned in the Bible exactly once. (laughs) So, most of you attend Hope Bible Church. And you are constant faithful attenders. But what I want to do is I want to rescind your membership for about 30 minutes. And I want you to become members of the First Bible Church of Corinth, Greece. Because that's where our main passage comes from. Your pastor was the Apostle Paul for a year and a half. And he didn't teach you on Sunday morning only. He taught you every day. Every day the Apostle Paul would come and teach you about how the law had been fulfilled in Christ and how idols, whether you were Jewish or Gentile, idols were nothing anymore because idols had been destroyed because of Christ, because of the gospel. And so here you are, a year and a half in, and the Apostle Paul leaves to to go and spread this good news to another city to build up another church. Now you have to understand there is no Bible. There is the Old Testament only. People have jotted down some sermon notes. There is no New Testament. So here you are in this congregation. The sign gifts are active because the gospel is still being confirmed. So last week, a blind woman came in and a sighted woman left. There were miracles happening on a regular basis as a confirmation that this was God's work in the world. And so, a man comes in and he says, I am a prophet from God and I have a message for you. And now you have to decide, are you going to let him speak to your congregation? Paul's gone. Most of the time, I I can just see like, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how they did this. Did they have a shakedown in the other room? It's like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Paul's gone. He's not there, but he's left leaders. But there's no Bible. And so how are you going to tell if this man is allowed to come into your congregation? You have heard of this man. He doesn't believe that Christ physically rose from the dead. 
He just believes it was, he just had like a phantom rising was spiritual. This is the year 50, 51. Jesus has been gone for over 20 years. The people in your congregation, only the Apostle Paul saw the risen Christ. And he would talk about it all the time. It would be so exciting. But he's gone. So you're in this room and you're trying to decide, are we going to let this man speak who says, I am a prophet of God? And you hear some commotion. You hear some commotion over in the, in the back. And you start looking and you, you see, you see like Sylvanus. And you see Timothy. And you're looking so hard because there's a little short guy with funny eyes. And you're really, but he's not there. But you keep hearing, Paul, 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 Paul. And when you find out is, there's a letter. And it's in Sylvanus' hand. And it's from Paul. So you open it up. And it says, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. Yes, that's how he would talk to us and our brother. To the church of God in Corinth, that's us. To those sanctified in Jesus Christ, yes, that's us. Called to be saints together with all of those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, yes, the very first letter that Paul ever sent to this church is 1 Corinthians. So see, if you look at the Bible as, here's a, here's a list of spiritual gifts. Where am I? Me, 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 me. You're, you're not getting it. There's a historical context to every book in the Bible. It really happened in real time and space. There's a literal context of the Bible in that this is actually what happened. It wasn't someone's dream or vision. And there's a grammatical context, which means it was written in Greek. So the closer you know to Greek, the more you study, the more you're getting the sense. And there are people here who've had other original languages or their parents speak other original languages. And yeah, I can get a span, a, a, a little idea. Donde esta el gift shop? <laughs> this is all the Spanish I know. But in the original languages, you would understand more. So what we're going to do today is to find out what's the context of this term, the spiritual gift of discernment. And then we're going to talk about how we can learn to be discerning today. And then I'm going to share that that is seven minutes are gone already. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's not going to work, Carla. Get it together. Okay. So we're going to talk about the spiritual gift of discernment in the Bible. Then how we can be more discerning today. And then I just want to share four lessons that I have learned in my own life about discernment. And we're going to start in 1 Corinthians. So after all of that, Paul is saying, here are the gifts for this time before the Bible has been completed. We call that a completed canon. 
they use they just use the word canon because it means the the trueness of this subject. There's a Star Wars canon. There's all kinds of different. When they say that's canon, that means that's the real part of that. That's what George Lucas wanted to to talk about. So in First Corinthians twelve ten, there's a list of this very specific very specific phrase about distinguishing spirits or the gift of discernment and it says and to another the effecting of miracles and to another prophecy and to another the distinguishing of spirits to another various kind of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues now I want you to see that the distinguishing of spirits or some scriptures say this, the gift of discernment is linked to prophecy. And the tongues is linked to interpretation of tongues. Miracles do not that does not have anything linked to it. Why not? Because if someone came in blind and left seeing, that's self-attesting. That did not need to be proven. So it did not have to have someone to confirm that that was a miracle because it was obvious. Okay, so what do we know about this scripture? It's mentioned one time. It's linked with prophecy. This gift was to help protect the local assembly from false prophets. The church, this gift served as a check and balance to protect the congregation It appears to have been the ability to discern the origin of the prophet's words. Did it come from themselves? Did they just make it up and want attention? Did it come from the Lord or did it come from the devil? And he's trying to divide. And Corinth had a real problem with dividing. They're like, oh, I don't believe that. You believe that. You're gone. I don't believe that. You believe that. I'm gone. So there was all this division. And Paul was writing this letter to try and bring people together and to try and encourage people. And if you get in your mind that this was the first letter to a church that Paul loved, the whole rest of the book is sweeter. And it makes so much more sense than just like, it's the Bible. Just read it and obey it. The existence of the gift focused on the prophet's message. The gift ceased as a spiritual gift when the New Testament was complete. It wasn't necessary anymore. It was helpful in the first century before the New Testament canon was closed because people were exercising the gift of prophecy. They were exercising all the gifts. So in my mind, this is how it went. They read 1 Corinthians to the congregation. They got to this point because the guy who says he's a prophet is still in the corner waiting to see if he's going to be allowed to speak. And so, and and Dave and I, you know, we're talking about this like, hey, I'm a prophet. This is my wife. She has a spiritual gift of discernment. It's like, no, that's not going to work. So it has to be someone else in the congregation. And so they read through 1 Corinthians and they say, okay, Paul has given us a way to find out if this guy is going to be allowed to influence his brand new baby congregation only a year and a half old. So they look around and they say, where's George? Nope. 
George is not here. Is George coming? Have you seen George? No, George's not coming. I'm sorry, guy who says you're a prophet. George isn't here, and he has the spiritual gift of discernment and distinguishing of spirits. So if he's not here, you're not speaking. They had a black and white way to determine if this prophet was someone that could influence their congregation. It was a protection. So I have good news and bad news. The bad news is you can't come up to someone and say, I have the spiritual gift of discernment, and I have a a message from the Lord. Because you don't. (laughs) Unless there's a prophet nearby, and you're going to determine whether it's of the Lord, of the devil, or from themselves. So, can I do anything for you? All right, you're good. But the other good news is we take the whole of Scripture. We don't just take one verse and say, oh, I don't have it. Oh, good. (laughs) The whole of Scripture encourages us to be discerning women, to grow in our discernment. And so we can do that. We don't have to say, I woke up one day and I had the gift of discernment. You have to learn to discern, hence the title. You learn, you grow, and you become every day more and more discerning. I don't know if I'm still on. Am I still? Okay, good enough. So discernment today is different than it was in the New Testament. It was basically because of doctrinal purity. But now it's more about as we grow in wisdom and as we grow in our understanding of Scripture. With the completion of the New Testament, we now have an objective written standard by which to determine whether someone's teaching is from the Lord, the speaker, or the devil. We are called to be discerning in matters of doctrine. And I think this is super important as women, that we don't fall into the latest thing. I, I really like women. I really like being a woman. But all I have to say is, beanie babies. collector plates we get a little sidetracked and we have to learn to be wise so who are we going to be like we're going to be like the Bereans in Acts 17 it says now these Bereans were more noble minded than those in Thessalonica so they're actually comparing churches they're like, these Thessalonians, they believed anything that came along. But the Bereans did not. I, I really think Hope Bible Church is full of people who are like, you're not coming at me with that. That's not in the Bible. And so you've already been taught, but you just need to grow. You just need to learn. There's more every day that you can learn about Scripture. They were examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So I love it if a congregation has an attitude which is, I'm no, I'm not sure about you. That's totally okay because we're to test the spirits and try the spirits. We're to be wise and discerning. And it really helps if you are discerning right at the beginning instead of like figuring it out as you go, as you're already committed to a leader, committed to a pastor, and committed to a teaching. Um, we, we need to not have pet doctrines that are more important than other doctrines. We want to be balanced 
women. So how do we become more discerning in our lives? Well, of course, all of you are going to say through the Bible. We already know that. So in Hebrews 5.14, this is our main verse. Solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. It requires going deeper yourself into God's word, putting yourself in front of godly teachers, taking time yourself to see if these things are so. It requires a long line of continuity. It requires practice. It requires training your senses. And I love this because our senses are physical. Not just our mind, but our senses have to be trained. Sorry. Its target is good versus evil. Discernment is an all-church effort, beginning with the teaching of our pastors. Continuing with our speaking the truth to one another, you can be theologians to each other. And you are. Every interaction that you have with another woman is a chance for learning to discern. And I hate to say this, but you're either going to find a, a discerning woman that you want to emulate your life after or not. And even those examples can be good for you. You can say, Whew, I, I don't want to ever talk about somebody like that. It's an example of negation. So any kind of interaction that you have, you can bring other women up or you can teach them how not to be. That's scary, but it's true. So it begins with our pastors. We need to trust them. We need to listen to them. We need to pay attention to the sermon. Whether that's redoing it later if you're kind of distracted, it's like, okay, I'm going to wait till I get a quiet place and then listen again. That's, the, that's not a bad thing to say, I didn't quite get what he was saying. I want to listen again. Or um, we have some friends who every time they go to lunch with someone after church, they unpack the sermon. They know this is what is going to be talked about. We're not going to just get right on to the next football game or right on to the next car they're going to buy. But let's talk about what we just heard. You realize that if you're giving to this church, you're going to get your money's worth if you're really engaged and involved. So take it again and again. Listen. Kind of get like, what was he really trying to say? And so it starts with the pastors, it goes to each other, and then it results in protection and growth of the church always to be more like Christ, always. That is the key. And if you are ever wondering, kind of the dividing point in anything that someone talks to you about is Christ. If they are holding up Christ and being doctrinally sound, that's the turning point. The turning point in every cult is how they present Christ. So you want to keep that in mind and get to know him better. And the best way to do that is through the Bible. If you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. If you want to hear God's voice, read the Bible. It's in there. 
So we must deepen our understanding of systematic theology to grow in discernment, guide our sisters in Christ, and guard the church from error. We learn to discern as we know more scriptures. Now, I have <laughs> this list of there were discerning women in the Bible and undiscerning women in the Bible. And I didn't put them all in. But I really encourage you to be curious about the women who are in the Bible. Because you are a woman. And there are things that you can learn specifically from women who are in the Bible. I'm not going to go through this list, but I'm just going to give you the odd, the odd one. This woman in Luke 11.27. So you already know about Abigail. She was already mentioned. You know about Eve. She didn't do us any favors. <laughs> that woman in Proverbs where she says she... she tears her house down with her own hands. I, I always think about that. Self-destruction. The destruction of her family. But here is a woman, I don't know, you can tell me later, that you may never have heard about because she's odd and a pastor is not going to want to talk about what she talked about. So Jesus is speaking. He's speaking and he's teaching I know I wrote this down. Okay, there we go. He's teaching the Lord's Prayer. He's defending his own divinity. He Just before Mary and Martha, this is the chapter right after Mary and Martha, so he's already talked to women about how they spend their time and their priorities. And so he's in the middle of teaching. Check this. In the middle of teaching. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, she interrupted the Lord Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, this is so gutsy. She interrupts him and she says, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. So no pastor is going to want to talk about this, right? <laughs> but we're all ladies here. So she interrupts his teaching to say, how lucky was your mom? What a mom you must have had. And he corrects her as she loudly interrupts him. He says, you're wrong. It wasn't my mom who's blessed. Blessed is, he says, rather, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. I cannot get away from this lady She's something to think about. She, she's something to think about being appropriate. She's something to think about when you're really listening and you have this thought. It's like I just, it just is bubbling out of me. It's like, hold on, sister, keep it in. Someone is prepared. Someone is trying to teach you something. You may be interrupting his flow. I, I just keep thinking, Lord, am I her or not her? I want to be as far away from her as possible. And then I'm thinking about the 
doctrinal implications of Jesus is speaking and this woman says, what about Mary? Really? Think about it. It's two verses. And I'm thinking, this has theological implications to the doctrine of Christ. And he... Look, be curious about the women in the Bible. There are things that you can learn from them. So as you discern, okay, we're going to move on. If you want to hear from God, and this is another, another thing I want to say. If something, someone comes to you and says, the Lord told me to tell you this. Okay, easy breezy. This is easy. Number one, if it's in the Bible, it's unnecessary. Number two, if it's not in the Bible, it's untrue. Number three, I am not bound by your impression of what the Lord said to you. I am not bound by that. The church is not bound by your dream or your vision. I'm not bound by it. So it's either untrue, unnecessary, but I am free. Okay, so now we're going to go to the practical part of discernment. I just have four things I want to tell you about what I have learned. Number one, look for godly role models. Number two, don't love anything that can't love you back. Number three, check the Bible first. And number four, listen to the people who love you. After that, we're going to have discussion and we're going to do it a little bit differently. I'm going to stay up here and encourage you to talk to each other and give you the questions. So it's going to be very easy, very smooth, and you're going to like it. But number one, look for godly role models. If there is a woman in your life that you respect something about her, it does, she doesn't have to have the perfect life. She doesn't have the perfect this or that. But she can pray. Just ask her, can I buy you a cup of coffee? The learner should always be the one who takes the initiative. You should not wait for an older woman to say, you messed up, you are so messed up, and I can help you. <laughs> you have to be motivated. So if there's a woman that you respect her prayer life, you respect her devotional life, you respect her housekeeping, you respect her the way she talks about her husband, I can find lots of examples of not. So if you find someone who speaks well of their husband, say, I would like to just spend an hour with you and ask you questions. She will be honored and you will be enriched. The best resources that I had when I was younger were in books. And so I read everything I could by women. Some were good and some were not. Some were just waste of time. I love Elizabeth Elliot. She has a new app, which is Elizabeth Elliot's app. And you can hear, she, she has this other one where it's like 12 minutes where they cut and dice it all together. But this one is, you can hear her full messages. So it's the Elizabeth Elliot app. I love her. Look for godly role models. Number two, don't love anything that can't love you back. I have spent my life trying to get rid of stuff. And I've never regretted it. So we live in a time where space is expensive and stuff is cheap. 
There's Black Friday sales. There's yard sales. They're even on Facebook. People are trying to give you stuff. But your houses are getting smaller and smaller. So learn to manage your things. I love these quotes by Winston Churchill. We shape our dwellings and afterward our dwellings shape us. Did you ever feel like your house was taking up more time? It was telling you what to do because you had too much stuff. So learn to be in charge of your possessions. I've always said I would never hire a young woman unless I looked at the trunk of her car. You have to take dominion in some way. And I'm so glad I haven't been to any of your houses or looked in your car trunk. You have to take dominion because how your house looks is how you've decided it should look. So, William Morris said, Have nothing in your home that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. And these are my lessons. You may have totally different lessons, but they asked me to speak. So, <laughs> these, these are my lessons. All right. A discerning woman has dominion over her possessions and creates an environment of order and comfort, not perfection. And I have to tell you, perfection and a, a hoarding mess make people uncomfortable, both of them. So you have to find some you in the middle that's comfortable. Um, I love a lot of books, but I really like this lady on YouTube who's called The Minimal Mom because she's a very thoughtful young person and she just talks about the freedom of having just enough. And I love that. So look for godly role models. Don't love anything that can't love you back. Check the Bible first. The Bible will not tell you what kind of car to buy or will it. There are wonderful wisdom in the Bible about just about everything if you know how to find it. So the frustration of, I don't know what kind of car to buy, I don't know which college to go to, there may be more answers in there than you think. So check the Bible first. When you have a decision to make, you need to check the Bible first. And this is my example, Ashley and the bee. So I was talking to my young, young mom, young, wonderful, godly, wanted to be a perfect mom. And we would talk a lot, but she never used to like call me out of the blue. So she called me out of the blue, and she's from Oklahoma, and she said, Carla, I don't know what to do. My little sweetie has been stung by a bee, and she will not let me look at it. I don't know if I should take her to the hospital. I don't know what I should be doing. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Is she obeying? She said, okay, bye. <laughs> and so she went to historical screaming sweetie pie. And she said, honey, mama's going to spank you if you don't let me look at that. And all of a sudden, she was fine. She called me 10 minutes later and she said, I don't know why I didn't think of that. But the Bible had the answer, children obey your parents. It was there. So instead of calling her doctor, she called her theologian friend. <laughs> because the Bible had the answer. Okay, my last point for me. This is my, my, my lesson for me. Was learn to listen to the people who love you. 
sometimes we don't. If people care about you, if they're in your small group for years, if they're your pastor, if they have good intentions, they will give you advice that is good. But somehow, we want to go to someone else for that advice. So you really have to check the motivation. And my example about this is about my oldest son, Paul. I also need to be suspicious of anything with the word party at the end. So I went to this cleaning cloth party. It was a lady selling these cleaning cloths. I know. Beanie babies, right? That's like, oh, I gotta have a mop. I gotta have the window washer, you know? And, and, and we get ourselves kind of wrapped up in this. So I went to this cleaning cloth party and the lady said, our cleaning cloths have eight sides. You turn it, you turn it, and you open it, and every time there's a clean side. And so I was all jazzed up and I went to my son, who's like, I don't know, 17. And I said, Paul, I just went to this cleaning cloth party and every cleaning cloth has eight sides. And you can do this and you can do that. And my son, who's brilliant, said, Mom, Every cleaning cloth has eight sides. <laughs> so the motivation of the lady who was trying to sell me cloths was money. The motivation of my son is my mom is a fool. <laughs> and I don't want her to go and tell this to anybody else. <laughs> But his motivation was because he loved me. And so you need to check people's motivation. Listen to the people. Slow down. Ask your family members, what do you think I should do in this case? They know. They just know you're not going to listen to them. So we're pretty much done. You have been a fabulous listener. 